And welcome to Pod Pod. My name is Rihanna Dillon, and this is a podcast all about the wonderful world of podcasting. We always have special guests and in depth conversations, and today is no different. We are joined by Jess Robinson and Joe Walker, who created the Stars in Your Ears podcast, the 4.8 star rated pod in which Jess does musical impressions and teaches her special guests to do the same. But before we get to that, hello to my co-contributors. We have Matt Hill, who runs Rethink Audio and is the co-founder of the British Podcast Awards. Hi, Matt. Hello, hello. Hello, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And we have Reem Makari, journalist and PodPod researcher. Hi, Reem. Hello. Hello. Happy New Year to you guys. Happy New Year. How <laughs> You're going to say, how did you spend your Christmas, weren't you? And we haven't had it yet yeah. because it's pre-recorded. Yeah. So just to flag up front, we are pre-recording this episode because, you know, no one wants to work over Christmas. I'm sure you podcasters out there have banked so many episodes. You're well prepared like us. People really prepared today. It's a really important time, though, January, because new habits are forming. And if you are there with a podcast ready to go and launch at that time, then it is really important. We do this daily history show called um, Today in History with the Retrospectors. And we've got new episodes from January 3rd. And that is because we know that people are looking for things for their commute, you know. Um, and so, yeah, it's a really important time. That So, you know, sort of when we record this in sort of mid-December is when we're really kind of gearing up for, for that time and making sure everything's there. Also, really busy time for sponsorship as well. Lots of advertisers kind of getting on board with new campaigns in January. If you're not making shows in January, then you're missing out oh you heard it here first thanks matt you're <laughs> Reem, welcome what are you, what sorry, are you working sorry on? to break it to you all <laughs> Reem, what are you working on right now that means that you're prepared for january i don't know how prepared i am for january but i will say i think there is no better way to spend new year's day recovering than listening to a bunch of podcasts so i am looking forward <laughs> to seeing all of the people who are going to be launching in the new year so I had like a really weird thing this week. We got our wedding video back and it's kind of split into different pit, you know, like a sort of highlight reel and and then the speeches on their own. And both Mike and I, who, you know, we're both podcasters, we both speak publicly for a living. Neither of us can bring ourselves to watch our wedding speeches. <laughs> and it's such a weird thing because we don't want to hear ourselves talk and Mike has to like re-listen because he has a regular podcast he has to listen to himself all the time and I, but the wedding speech apparently is just one thing too many and I, I think I'm always so afraid of what I'm going to find out about myself as a speaker if I listen back to myself so I don't ever oh you never do no I never do okay so you don't listen to pod pod <laughs> I I listen to it live <laughs> I'm listening to you right now. <laughs> um, so, but do you guys listen back to everything that you do? Not to everything, but certainly to some things, just for the, the to make sure that I don't sound terrible. Um, but I also just ask for feedback. I think sometimes it's obvious that you won't like your own voice, but it is important to know what other people think about the way that you sound mm. and make sure that make sure that you're doing a good job 
at communicating and enunciating and all those things. And I'm, I'm actually pretty bad at it. I think that's probably some of the feedback that I've certainly got from people listening to the show and I need to work at it. But that's why, you know, sort of vocal techniques, just doing a little warm up before you, you go on. There's nothing wrong with any of that stuff. It might sound a bit theatrical, but actually, you know, spending a bit of time just warming up your voice a bit. It's good manners, isn't it, really, for your listeners to make sure that they don't, in the same way that you shouldn't cough into your mic and keep it in the edit, you shouldn't probably... Uh, you you should probably try <laughs> well i'm just saying <laughs> it's time of year i'm just saying you know it's uh, emma's got a work cut out right now um but yes i think it is really important to, to, to really kind of if you're entering people's ears like deliver the the best version of yourself really Reem, do you have that where you do you listen back because you're quite new to podcasting yeah. so i guess it's quite a new thing to hear yourself back and what have you learned from listening to yourself i mean ultimately I am a bit of a narcissist, so I do end up listening back to myself. <laughs> um, it is very much self-inflicted cringe, but I do listen and I tend to black out a lot when I'm recording. Um, so I don't actually remember mm-hmm. a lot of what I'm saying until I end up listening back mm-hmm. to it. And then I'm like, oh, that's what I contributed. But I do find that the more I listen back to myself that I realize I do things that like sometimes like relying on on crutch words you know like i say like a lot very <laughs> gen z as do i yeah no it's a real problem <laughs> yes <laughs> really, I mean. no same and then and then like going like um or whatever and then just listening back to me saying these things makes me take note of that i don't know if i remember mm. to apply them the next time I record but I think I subconsciously <laughs> try to be aware of it yes absolutely we're always our harshest critics yeah. though I think if you're listening back to your own voice you obviously you you are paying more attention than most people are so don't don't take it away from yourself do you think there is like a generational tick Matt do you have as somebody who is slightly older than Reem do you have a different tick Almost certainly. I don't think I've done enough on mic editing myself to be able to detect those as well as people like Emma, who's editing this as we go along. But I do think when you spot the ticks in your presenters that you're editing, you do have to then kind of reconcile with yourself. Is this something I'm just going to have to edit out every time I work with them for the rest of my life? Or am I going to quietly say, do you know, you do this a lot and it would really help if you didn't? Because that can really play in people's heads. Right? You can really get inside people. Because like, ultimately, sometimes you can't do anything about it. It's just one of the things that you use. It's a crutch, as you say. You don't want to impose psychological warfare on your presenters. That, that's my top tip for the new year. Don't impose psychological warfare <laughs> on your presenters. <laughs> Ten years ago, I said on air... You know, I don't know. I don't know, you know, something like that. And it's just it's haunted me ever since because I think my producer <laughs> pointed it out and I've never forgotten. He was like, it's a kind of a stupid thing to say because you're saying you know and then you're saying you don't know in the same sentence. Like, oh, man. <laughs> no one needs really that kind of analysis. Me. I feel like I totally understand that. I don't see the issue with that at all. <laughs> So I mentioned earlier that Jess Robinson is our guest this week, along with Joe Walker. And I guess for a podcast like the Stars in Your Ears podcast, there is just no time for any of the stuff that we've just been talking about, because it's such a slick, incredibly edited, solid show. So here they are, Jess Robinson and Joe Walker. (laughs) 
thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. Hello. Jess, you have created a very self-deprecating persona in Stars in Your Ears, who has a team of musical disciples. Tell us a bit about keeping a distance from who you really are, at least in the first instance, in your, your kind of opening and closing of each episode. I don't know if it's that distant from who I really am, actually. <laughs> you really are that monstrous. <laughs> I'm a monstrous knob. Um... <laughs> It was really fun to write. That's sort of my onstage persona when I'm with the band of being very demanding and silly and attention seeking. But I do think there's a bit of truth in there. I'm afraid to say. I, honestly, <laughs> I do. But maybe that's the self-deprecating But Who knows? But yes, I, I wrote the scripts, those sort of sketchy bits at the beginning and the end with my friend Robin Morgan, who's a brilliant writer and stand up. And we just had so much fun writing that. And then the band and I and wonderful Joe Walker, who's here, would go through the scripts on our little read throughs and then ramp them up and make them even more ridiculous. And we'd just laugh a lot, wouldn't we? Yeah, it was fun. I, I feel like... Um it was a bit like a table read where we read what was on the script and then just improv around it and then changed the script based on the improvisation. And then when we came to recording, we improv again. So it was very yeah. fluid, very natural. And we were just always open to change what needed to be changed for it to flow the best and what we found funny. I feel like your podcast covers so many different areas all in one. You have the sketches you were just talking about you of course have the musical aspect you have the mimicry and there are just so many kind of sections the interview section of course is such a big one as well what came first I suppose and how did you build that out to be what it is now I think what came first was I, I, I had always really, 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 really wanted to start a podcast with the band because I really admired the horn section and I knew that Joe worked with the horn section and I wanted to do sort of an impressions, musical impressions podcast because there wasn't anything else out there like that or as far as I knew, an impressions podcast. So that was the first thing and I wanted to do it with my bandmates because I love them. That's how it started. And then I thought, well, you know, in a sort of cynical way, we better get some celebrity guests on here. So, you know, it will draw <laughs> audience members in otherwise why would they bother listening or find us and then Michael long-suffering Michael our pianist <laughs> and, Michael. and admin head of admin he really wanted to put some sketches in and do some more sort of acting-y stuff which I really think he excelled at <laughs> it sort of came that way round, and it, it all happened in lockdown and I asked on Instagram whether there would be anybody that might be interested in helping us do that or where I would start or how I'd get any advice. And lovely Joe Walker hopped on board, didn't you, Joe? I did indeed. And actually, we couldn't have done any of it without him. <laughs> I don't think that's true. Oh, I imagined I would be like, we'd record it all on GarageBand and then I'd edit it. Really, <laughs> like, that was a really easy thing to do. Do you want to just talk them through what you had to do every week? Okay, so how we did it at the <laughs> how we did series one was series one was all over Zoom, and I'm trying to think of the best way of describing it. Basically, the shit, shit. the connection, no, the, the connection you had with the band and the the past live shows you've done that was yeah. so 
evident and we just want to bring that out more and more in series one so we had the script but obviously we just started going off the hinges a little bit more there was no talks about me doing sound effects or the sound design and that just I sort of did that because I felt it's what needed it and it went as well as we could have hoped it have gone it was very sort of mighty boosh radio play Mm. And again, it was something that we hadn't really seen many comedy podcasts do it that way for a long, long time. I'm really interested in you jumping on board via Instagram and that whole process of building your team via social media. So what was it about Jess's project? To clarify, I have worked with Jess before Instagram. It wasn't a out of the blue, <laughs> hello, okay. let's work but together. we hadn't worked together much, had we? We hadn't done it much. Two corporates for me. Yeah, yeah. And the Horn Section podcast. Yeah. And I just happened to know that Joe was a kind, lovely man. But I didn't, <laughs> I didn't ask him specifically. So when he came to the rescue, I couldn't believe it. There had been a few drinks in Edinburgh as well, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> that old drinks always helps. <laughs> the best networking. It is indeed. So you're talking about just bringing, you know, using, not using, but having celebrities there to kind of oh, no, pull I in new them. audiences. Oh, yeah, you mm-hmm. use them, sure. Um, but also you have your own following. So did many of them follow you over to your podcast? And how did you kind of reach out to them and pull them with you? I So I've got a little newsletter. But I tell you what, some quite a lot of my audience that I've built up over the years, because of the stuff that I do and the sort of Edinburgh following I have, are people who might be between 50 and 70. And a lot of them are not podcast <laughs> listeners, like my mum. She doesn't really know what a podcast is. And every time I do an episode, I have to send her the specific link to the episode because she doesn't <laughs> understand how to find it in her podcast app or anything like that. So she's got no idea. And then she has to send all of those specific links to her friends in Aldbury Village or whatever. So that's quite that's quite tricky and they just don't quite understand what it is or why and why it's not on just on the radio or whatever. So <laughs> that that was quite hard. And then I do have a nice following of of musical comedy fans who really enjoyed it and and some random people who just sort of jumped on board and found us and loved it. But it it was quite hard. I don't think I realized quite what a very tiny minnow in a massive sea I was, Am. Mm. Yeah, I think what was also tricky is because we started in lockdown, obviously there were lots of listeners in lockdown because everyone wanted content, but because there was so much content being created as well, we had to find the angle of when to release, when to do stuff, because that's the other thing that people always forget with podcasts. People will listen to it on their commutes or in a certain hour of their day or whatever like that. So we had to tie it around Guilty Feminist. We had to tie it around the Horn Section podcast. We had to tie it around all these other ones we thought we might be competing with to find an angle and a, a date and a time where we could drop the episode and hopefully build the audience from there. And I had absolutely no idea about any of that. I had no idea that, that you know, you had to be so specific. So the Guilty Feminist, that was you touring with the Guilty Feminist podcast? Yes, but also just the, the times that the Guilty Feminist would go out, because I thought that there might be a crossover of audience. Mm-hmm. Was that sort of network? Because that's, you know, there are a lot of um, brilliant, often female comedians who there definitely seems to be a crossover with your podcast. So in terms of using the Guilty Feminist network as one of your own, was that really useful? 
Yeah, I think um, Deborah Francis White is really brilliant at being supportive and plugging things and that you know projects that we're all doing the sort of guilty feminist family so she did some posts and some tweets and and told some people about my podcast on the live show and was a guest as well so that was great that was really useful and helpful but I don't think it it didn't completely take off in the way that I thought it would or hoped it would Oh, so tell us a little bit more about that then, because, you know, we have sometimes these ideas of podcasts being almost overnight successes. And mm. I don't think we often realise just how much has to go into how many months or weeks of work has to go into making an overnight success. So tell us about the process of this becoming getting to a point that you wanted it to get to. In terms of of numbers, I don't think it ever particularly has got it hasn't got to that point yet that we want it to get to where it's making money or it even just has the amount of listeners that we want it to get or the following that it, we want it to get which is sort of disappointing and it was thrilling to win a British podcast award and we thought that would give us a huge boost and it gave us a bit of a boost but not massive but also if if I'll hand over to Joe to tell you the process and the amount of hours that go into making one episode because it is so different to just sitting at a microphone for an hour a week or maybe getting you know three or four episodes done in a day it's just so impossible to do that and I think one of the things that I have definitely learned is that you have to be putting content out there every single week to to have a regular following. I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think the difference we have with this one is most podcasts have to go out weekly or bi-weekly to sort of really build up an audience. And it's more you throw content out there so that people can keep catching up and keep watching and keep learning. It's the whole sort of internet thing of you want it to be a bottomless pit. Whereas where we started with series one, two and three, we wanted it to be a bit more sort of radio series. We wanted it to be a bit more TV series. And we've actually built a world where we've got scripts at the start and the end. We've got to get guests on at certain times. Uh, Jess tries to teach them an impression. So we've got to find out from just listening to that person who's a good person that they can nail because of their sort of tone of voice and all that sort of stuff because there's no point teaching some people certain impressions because there's just a different tonality to the voices uh we also do independent songs with that guest so we had to do all the production find out what song they want to sing make sure it was in copyright but it wasn't in copyright we had to go back and try and find a way that we could change them to do something else where we wouldn't get scanned by the prs to pay for the rights <laughs> of the music uh and then we had to arrange that song work out the key teach it to them record it and then on top of that, we had our own sort of songs that we were throwing out there as episode games as well. Jess always came up with games for randomizers and all that sort of stuff. I'm trying to think of what the best way to describe it. I think it's sort of Stars in Their Eyes meets Noel's House Party meets Mighty Boosh. <laughs> there, there was so many different elements to it that were all absolutely great and we've loved doing it but it took a month to write the scripts for all of series three then we had two days where all the band came to mine in brighton and we did the table read we did some edits and then we did some more then we recorded all the scripts at the top and the tail um then i had to edit all of that and then we did 
all the music for all the guests and then we had to interview the guests and in the meantime kitch had a baby and michael was touring and so our lovely bassist rob was just in the studio furiously making jingles making backing tracks he would have spent probably about four four days worth of studio time uh making all of these songs and doing all of these things and so I mean, hours and hours and hours, days, days and days go into one episode, really, don't they? Yeah, and I think this is the sort of hurdle we've tripped up over of we love the content we love Mm. what we've made Mm. but at the moment it's just unsustainable for us to keep going without getting funded and back in the day when we used to do like the horn section radio series we were paid to go and spend a month somewhere and write a show whereas as soon as we jump to podcasts you lose that time you lose the time when you're paid to actually come up and write the show and make the show Mm. so because you've got to make the content before you can start putting advertising on it and making money we're just trying to find the workaround of how do you make something sustainable keep the silliness that we found and we love and we think is the heart and soul of stars in your ears but we need to make it more sustainable so that we're not spending hours and hours not i don't want to say losing money because that's harsh but it is a lot of work for time we're not getting paid i mean it does sound absolutely exhausting i just didn't want the the joy to be sapped out of it and it became a bit of a chore for especially for Kitch and Michael and Rob, actually, the band, who, you know, are doing it for the fun of it, but they are, you know, proper professional musicians and they've got lives and it's it's hard to keep asking them to do loads of stuff for free. It just felt like it's, it's not fair and there's only so many favours I can pull in because it's a fun hobby thing for them, but it's a vehicle for me. Do you know what I mean? It, it felt unfair. And it's tricky because we're not all based in the same place as well. Me and Mm. Jess are both Brighton-based, so we can quite easily pop in and do stuff. Whereas Michael and Kitch are up London-based. And we learned very quickly with the Horn Section podcast, and I was telling it to Jess when we started this one, you just can't do live music over Zoom or Mm. Riverside or anything like that. As soon as it's internet-based, live music's sort of out, and you've got to do it at home. Mm. And with the Horn Section podcast, we can get everyone into one room, we can record the music live, and it might sound a little bit ropey here and there, but that's sort of the fun of it. Whereas because we started in lockdown and we had to do it remotely we now got to a stage where we got to this amazing high quality standard. Mm. And again, we don't want to lose it, but there's no way of doing that without putting extra time in. Lockdown was the only way that we could do it when everyone was trapped in their houses with nothing else to do. As soon as Mm. the real world kicked back in, it makes it very, very difficult. And with songs and all that sort of stuff, it's it's a lot of work to put a song together and it goes out in one episode. Mm. So each series of a podcast, we're basically recording an album. Yes. <laughs> and yes. musicians take a year, two years to write albums and release new music. Yeah. We're doing Not it, us. trying to do it every week. <laughs> it's tricky. Do you think if you had that time over, you would have come up with a slightly more, like a simpler format? Or are you really glad that you've kind of given yourself this challenge to use as a, you know, as a learning curve going forward? No, I don't think we would have done it differently because I'm glad of the learning curve and I'm so glad that we had that time to produce something so 
brilliant. Uh, I'm really grateful that we did have that time. And also it, it came at a time for me when my dad had died not that long before and I really wanted to throw myself into something and the world was completely upside down for everyone. And it was just a, a really amazing thing to see what was possible but it's also yeah just you know it's a wake-up call and a bit disappointing to find that actually now everything's back to normal in inverted commas again it's not sustainable so the challenge now because I would really like looking at Joe Walker's face there I just really want to (laughs) see him more (laughs) and and to see if we can find a more sustainable way of somehow continuing the podcast because it is a great thing to do especially because I absolutely hate social media I hate making TikTok videos <laughs> and so if I could have a if I could do my podcast as a way of being you know that being my social media thank you very much I'd love it <laughs> well attaching on that then Jess I think back earlier on this year you asked feedback on Instagram so what were the things that people found really popular what did what did they want more of what did they want less of oh I did didn't I do you know what we didn't actually get much feedback from that that's what was disappointing we didn't get a lot of engagement that's frustrating on Instagram or Twitter or anything. Well, if you hate social media, it's like an extra job, isn't it? Well, yeah, a lot of the feedback that we get, and we do like we do have a decent number of listeners and we do get decent feedback, but all the feedback's always just really positive of, oh, there's nothing like this out there. All oh, the songs sound great. Oh, yeah. I love this mm. episode. Oh, I love for how different you are. And it's it's what what I like about what we've accomplished is it's ambitious and we got it to a really high standard. But I like that every series is slightly different. I like that series one, that we were all just based in one house and there was a bit of sound design, but it was more just silly games and silly things that we could do in lockdown. Series two was when lockdown supposedly lifted. So we decided to do a little tour. And obviously, we all still record it the same way, but there's a lot more sound design. There's a lot more oh, sort of elements incredible. that happen at the start and the end. And then for series three, we pretended we were stranded on a desert <laughs> island. So what I like is that we've established that every series can be a little bit different. And what I think we wanted was we were trying to get specific feedback about what people liked and didn't want us to lose so that we could sort of come up with series four being focused in on one more area rather Mm. than having every area. Mm. But because everyone always just says, oh, it's amazing, don't lose anything. We're like, well, we kind of have to lose something or we need to... Find, think of another way outside the box so we can achieve all of this mm. without us all losing an arm and a leg. It sounds to me like you're very much at a crossroads at the moment. Like yeah. this is, there's a point in which it's like, will this continue? And, and if so, what for? It doesn't sound to me like you want to roll back the production at all. Like it is the level and the ambition that you want. So... Mm. Is there, what do you see as the thing that would make you go, okay, let's do series four? I think the main thing right now is just time, isn't it? We need to work out. We're Mm. pretty confident with series four. It will probably be me, Jess and Michael because Kitsch is in baby land and has to be in baby land and we can't pull him away from that. And now that we've lost 
potentially two co-hosts. We want it to stay as hectic and as busy, but also we don't want to, because we've lost two other people, not be able to do such bigger songs or not do this or not do that. But we also don't want to put more time onto Michael. Yeah, Rob Rob has now decided to, that comedy is not for him, bless him. Um, and he's gone into doing music production, more music production and stuff. Right. Um, he was such a good butt of the joke, though. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and everything's like, and he lives in Brighton as well, and we love him to pieces. Um, but yeah, he... Um, he when and we're still we, he on first... good terms. It didn't end oh, badly. Yeah. It's just... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, 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 no. We, I've, I've had some. We've been doing some backing tracks for other stuff. But um, yeah, when he signed up to be in the band, he had not imagined that he would get roped into doing a podcast or having lines. Or you know, he really doesn't want <laughs> want to have all of the. Yeah, he doesn't. Even though he's so good, he never felt very comfortable saying his lines. Bless him. Oh, I love him. Um, <laughs> so yeah, what do you think? What do you guys think? Well, you and I know, Jess, we've, we've spoken many times about what the what the show did. Um, and I should say, full disclosure, you know, once Jess won the Best Entertainment podcast uh, for the show, you know, we we met up every um, couple of weeks, really, to, to chat about mm. what could happen to make make get the show up and running and, and make it a, a real, like, find its audience. But I think where, we, where we've come to now, and I think this is sort of what you've been articulating, is that you know, in a way, it's an independent show, which has the ambitions of a like almost like a broadcaster or um, mm. or a, a big platform. You know, with a built-in audience, it, it almost needs a window that t- to be presented in, rather than trying to build it from the ground up. If you see what I mean, because it just mm. feels like it's it's so welcoming as a show, and it's so fully formed. It sort of needs to be as part of a network maybe is that maybe it or is it an audible exclusive or another you know is it is there somewhere it can sit as part of a a wider group of shows that makes sense of how you know and 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 sort of brings to the fore how much um you know production and time and effort is put into it in a way which is just is no matter how great the artwork no matter how compelling the first few minutes of the show is is never quite evident until you've heard the whole episode like until you've you've actually you know experienced it is there i don't know if that's the thing it needs like you you just need a a classic victorian benefactor to come in and basically uh, is that you i love what you do (laughs) (laughs) i love your top hat (laughs) he's twiddling his mustache Yeah, maybe maybe that's it. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe we do take out some of the elements and we make it more chat-based and we maybe, I don't know, one, one thing I was thinking was do we take some songs that we've used already, our, our mashups or whatever that we've done from the first series and focus one episode on each song and talk about how we put it together and where the the impression came from and but, but is that just sort of cheating is that lazy is that interesting even i don't think that's lazy this is where we've sort of fallen up a hurdle because if you break down all the episodes there are so many elements to it and 
every element's brilliant. What we don't want to do is lose the impressions because they're brilliant and it's really fun where we're teaching other people how to do impression. But I think I've run out. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to lose the interview because there are some like... The interview bit, you would think would be the boring bit, but the way Jess asks questions and finds out how people feel about their own voice and how they changed it to sort of become who they are now is really interesting. Mm. And there's just every element works by itself. And we don't know whether each episode needs to be one of those elements or whether for a series we get rid of different elements and focus on one. We're just trying to work it out because I don't feel like the world we're in right now there is this big victorian type benefactor that is gonna get us to do what we've done Mm. and we're happy to scale back we just don't know ourselves which elements to scale back on because we're so proud of the whole thing Mm. are there podcasts out there that you know have a structure that does work whatever its scale that could work for you. I'm just thinking in terms of, you mentioned, obviously you've worked with the horn section before and that obviously has very similar production values, although, you know, sort of in a different way. Uh, live music, for example. Or I'm just thinking of like Pappies and what they've done where, you know, they have a, a live show once a month and then some chatty episodes fill the gap until the next live show. I mean, are there That's things nice which... That's a nice idea. Do you know what I mean? Uh, have you seen other comedy I mean when I say comedy I mean the thing that's different about what you're doing than what you would say a lot of comedy podcasts do a lot of comedy podcasts are actually just they're banter podcasts aren't they they're comedians talking to each other and riffing but Mm. you're you're scripted you know how many other scripted comedy shows are there out there is I mean there's very few in the open podcast market it's beef and dairy there's Pappy's live shows and then a lot of it's comedians talking to comedians still isn't it yeah, it would be it would be fun to record some some you know have a monthly live thing. The the other thing that we were taken on by Audi to help us sort of try and monetize the podcast, and they've got sponsors sort of lined up, and they and they said it's really important that you have something every single week or every fortnight to put mm. out there, and then we've got people we've got people lined up. When are you going to be able to? produce some stuff you know and they're like on us they want us to so that's a a nice little opportunity but I don't really know what completely to expect from that and I think what's been hard as well is with um series three being finished I jumped onto tour with Ian Sterling and then jumped onto the horn section tv show Jess jumped onto Spitting Image and Guilty Feminist and now your legacy show which is very very tech heavy like it's it's also trying to find time where we can do the other bits we've already committed to and we're not quite sure yet how to still keep the fun for us because the fun of this podcast was always the collaborating it was always we enjoyed putting the amount of time we put into it but even if we simplify it, just getting time when me and Jess can meet up and actually throw the dreidel down the stairs and see what it lands on. We just throw haven't had time to do that. Stairs? I've never that heard that. That was a great phrase that I've never heard before. <laughs> never, and I love ever it. Heard that I, d- I don't know. <laughs> That's the best thing I've ever heard. This is why I edit podcasts and I don't talk on them. No, you should talk more, Joe, because that was great. We just need to throw the dreidel down the stairs. Is that what <laughs> <laughs> this is the best thing I've ever heard. Oh, that was brilliant. Um, I meant to say dice, didn't I? I meant to say dice. 
I want to say I'm so pleased you've made it Jewish for me. I want to put it But do you would you throw the dice down the stairs? No. That's, yeah, that's I'm also... just gladly throwing things down the stairs. I throw my dirty washing down the stairs. Joey <laughs> <laughs> Walker original. <laughs> yeah, but you live in a flat chest. You don't, there's no one up the stairs. That's true, I've got a lift. Um, just looking back at some of the incredible guests that you've had on, I mean, you must have had so many highlights with the people that you've talked to. Jess Phillips talking... I mean, first of all, when you're... Joe, you know, you just mentioned that each interview is kind of about the voice and Jess when you kind of got that thing about her talking about how she used to smoke from the age of 10 and that's why her voice is <laughs> so the <low>. way <laughs> it is it's absolutely insane so tell me about some of the highlights that you've had over the past three series and which guests have really stood out for you Stephen K Amos was great fun learning oh, how to he's do so funny. he was so funny and gorgeous and and, I was uh, about to say that as well. Yeah. Alex Horn really entered into the spirit of things, didn't he? Rosie Jones. Oh, Rosie Jones was brilliant. You've put this ep is not to be missed on the uh, <laughs> Rosie Jones one. I mean, she's just so, she's so game, isn't she? She's so fun. And it was very interesting listening to her speak about what it's like to have cerebral palsy in her voice and how it, it's been for her sort of with people finishing off her sentences and not being patient enough to wait for her to get there or, or whatever. And, mm. and having Adam Buxton on, that was an absolute, oh my God, that was such a dream, wasn't it? So is he a dream guest? How do you get Adam Buxton on? I mean, he's one of the most famous podcasters out there, right? Yeah. How do you get him on your podcast? Who is the talent booker? Me. I, I just drop into people's DMs. I found <laughs> Jess Phillips's parliamentary email. Oh, I got Ramesh Ranganathan did an intro. So I, I dropped into Ramesh's DMs, got him on the podcast. He really loved it and he was amazing. And he said, oh, you should get Adam Buxton on. And he asked Adam if I could have his email address. I got Adam's email address and it took me a year and a half of remember me or have you got any time now it was just sort of yeah a bit of chutzpah I was channeling my mother just pestering people <laughs> so Jesse there were no agents involved it was all just your own under your own steam yeah no everywhere. agents no no amazing I mean I tried they were not helpful <laughs> This is sort of feels like a bit of, you know, magic fairy dust of how you get somebody who has got such a huge profile. We think that they're untouchable in a way. How what are the what's the language that you're using to be like, come on my podcast for no money and uh, <laughs> be amazing. How many pretty pleases is it? Yeah, I think what we got very lucky with is after series one, um, people had heard the episodes and they were able to listen to them and see what they were like. And we got so many messages from people saying, oh, I've never had to prepare so much for a podcast before. <laughs> and the, it's just like what some people prepared and were ready and were up for, like what Ramesh did with, like with the randomizer games where Jesse would be like, okay, now you've got to climb mother's tree and you've just got Rosie Jane going, all right, all right, oh, there's a branch. Oh no. Ah! It was just, it was so funny just watching the, the, the guests we had a lot of them wanted to be on it and a lot of them enjoyed it 
And I think yeah. it was something very different that most people, when they go on podcasts, it is just talking. It is sort of like, oh, can you just read this sentence? When it was us, it was very much like, okay, so you've got to learn this song. Uh, okay, I'll teach you this impression. Uh, for this section, can you just make loads of sound effects and just play along? And they just go for it and they have a good fun time as well. Is it really difficult performing your impressions without having an audience in front of you? I mean, we've seen your Britain's Got Talent audition, which was just mind-blowing and the response you got from people in the room was incredible and really moving and Ant and Deck on the side kind of beside themselves with excitement <laughs> and then you are doing this in a space where you don't have that response and you're not playing off a crowd how does that affect the way that you are able to do your mimicry? I don't think it it doesn't really affect it at all I'm sort of I'm so used to doing voiceovers and spitting image and, and all of that it's it's actually almost a bit easier because then I can just close my eyes and focus in on the voice rather than mm. worry about whether people are going to clap or not so that's an interesting question though yeah and I think it's very rare as well Jess that I think there's only been how many episodes we've done we've done 30 odd or something like that I think it's there's only been one episode where you've ever listened back to it and gone oh I didn't do that impression very well can we overdub it you've oh, always yeah. smashed it yeah, I do. I think my Bjork came out a bit Welsh on Suzy's <laughs> And some, sometimes, you know, when I'm teaching an impression to someone and it's someone I really love and respect, I feel like a bit of a c***. So um, I get a bit worried. You might want to bleep that out. Uh, I, yeah, I get, a bit, I get a bit sort of, oh God, oh God, like, who am I to tell them? <laughs> Thank you so much to Jess Robinson and Joe Walker for giving us a really honest and insightful discussion into the highs and the lows of podcasting. I mean, we have talked about some of the really difficult stuff before, but I think perhaps not in quite so much depth. Matt, listening back to this, what really stood out for you? Yeah, it's, it's really hard kind of making the decision to end a show. Um, which is basically where I think Jess is probably at. But I th hope she can take some consolation in the fact that, first of all, it was an award-winning show. Like It was recognised for its brilliance and for it, the audacity of its concept. And that it will continue to be there. You know, it is not, uh, you know, unlike if, if it was a show that had been made for the radio, it would have disappeared and no one would have heard it again. But it will last as a podcast for a long time and I hope will develop a cult following because it really is an excellent show and there's nothing else like it out there and I think they can be really proud of that and you know both Jess and Joe uh, have gone on to be you know supremely talented and done their own things Jess doing a lot of stuff with The Last Leg and Spitting Image and everything Joe has been working on the Horn Section TV show recently and also on those shows and so yeah I think they're going to go on to big things it's a great calling card but you know, sometimes, sadly, not everything uh, continues. Reem, what were your thoughts having kind of listened to Jess talk so openly about what was really difficult for her with this latest season of Stars in Your Ears? I mean, I think I just, I really appreciate the, the honesty and, and the being able to talk about such a harsh but real reality. Because I think what I learned from, from meeting a lot of podcasters or attending conferences and one thing that, that 
people kept bringing up is wanting to invite more open conversation about things like data and money and podcasting because some a lot of this information is often hidden and it's very helpful to be able to know what other podcasters are going through even if they look very successful they might be struggling and it, it's more helpful to up-and-coming podcasters or even ones that have been in, in the industry for a long time to know that other people are struggling just to see that that it's something that's completely normal and they can kind of lean on each other or they can get advice from each other so I just what I took from that is is just to be able to appreciate that that honesty from from podcasters yeah that's really lovely I think for me you sort of forget how much dedication I suppose that it takes to create something like this so completely from scratch it's such a unique idea and there are so many moving parts there are so many elements to it so to keep all of that going and afloat you know I think Jess was maybe reluctant to say that they were losing money but they certainly weren't getting paid for doing it and to to do a passion project like that is is a really wonderful thing but the kind of the realistic thing is that it, it can't carry on until it starts to get you income right but what a shame and is that going to start kind of smothering creativity in this way in podcasting well it's certainly true that a lot of people started podcasts in the pandemic and have not continued them you know there was a kind of a slight drop off in entrance to the british podcast awards in 2022 compared with the year before which kind of reflects sort of that 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 trajectory yeah. but the ones that did come out of the pandemic with an audience and with some sort of viability are thriving and i think what i would say is that you know there is it's not that the market is saturated by podcasts i think that is something that gets banded about but is, i don't think is entirely true i think the issue is still that there are some audiences that aren't still in podcasts who could be so for Jess she was quite open in that conversation to talk about like a lot of her audience are sort of you know sort of 60 plus women um, and they aren't necessarily the target audience of most of the platforms uh, for, for podcasting at mm-hmm. the moment mm-hmm. but that time will come and so it may well be that Jess's show was just really ahead of the curve and that that audience and that demographic will be served by podcasts in the future but right now it's just not there's just not a market for it. I really hope so. I really hope that for Jess and Joe. And if you want to go back and listen to all of the Stars in Your Ears podcasts, obviously the whole back catalogue is out there. So do go and have a listen just to kind of see how Jess and Joe play with form. It's brilliant. It's a brilliant show. It's a lot of fun and the sound design is brilliant. For once, Axel Cucutio is not involved, I think, in this. It's the only <laughs> podcast possibly that he's not um, had a hand in. <laughs> Tell your mum. It's a good show for your mum. That's true. Everyone tell their (laughs) mums. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Thank you so much to Reem and Matt, Jess and Joe and Andrea Fox for joining me. You can find out so much more on podpod.com. Loads of new columns going up there every day. Do sign up to our daily email bulletins and you can follow us on social at podpodofficial. And subscribe, rate, go on, review as well. And the podcast is produced as ever by the brilliant Emma Corsham for Haymarket Business Media. I'm your host, Rihanna Dillon, and I will see you next week. Bye. Happy New Year.